transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. It's Friday night on the Mojave Desert. It's a little warm out there this evening. Seems to be kind of a recurring issue this time of year. But there are other things to worry about. Like Yucca Man. The story you'll hear most often goes like this. There's a young marine on guard duty in some far-off corner of the massive 29 Palms Desert Training Base. He hears an awful sound in the dark, something like a growl, then the breathing. He's coming from one side of his lonesome little guard booth, and now it's coming from the other. It's circling him. He steps out into the dark, his sidearm drawn, and there it stands, eight feet tall, an unbearable stench from its hairy body, the eyes glowing like red coals. Sometimes a marine is knocked unconscious by the beast and found hours later by the next shift. In one version... The guard is at the old rifle range, and he wakes up to find a rifle bent in half. Since the 1970s, when the Mojave Desert base expanded from its World War II encampment, there have been regular reports of new recruits terrorized by both the Yucca Man and pranks inspired by the tales. But most sightings of the spectral creature come from campers and hikers in Joshua Tree National Park. Tents have been opened in the night by stinking monstrosities. And there is an occasional large footprint or blurry photograph submitted as evidence. A snapshot from the Hidden Valley campground has made the rounds for about a decade now. And the figure bounding over the boulders looks much like Bigfoot, the Yeti, Sasquatch. What are these things? Why are they seen all over the world? Anywhere where you've left a bit of trees, mountains place to hide the wilderness thousands of years of stories and never a body never a bone and yet people see them people have been terrified by them people have been followed by Yucca Man on a moonlit trail maybe just taking the recycling out on a summer night what is the likelihood that these creatures exist in our physical realm 
Well, it hardly matters if there's one following you at night. Is real enough, isn't it? Maybe they just pop into our world and vanish at will. Since the 1960s, when tales of Yucca Man and his desert cohorts were commonly reported by Southern California newspapers and television stations, cryptozoologists and Bigfoot researchers have analyzed the blurry pictures and measured the prints in the sand, all in the effort to document a flesh-and-blood creature they believe exists alongside everyday mammals such as bears, coyotes, and rock climbers. They've been seen in the suburbs of the Antelope Valley in the 60s and in the 70s into the early 80s as new housing developments in Lancaster and Palmdale pushed into the wild desert and secret technology was tested at Edwards Air Force Base in Lockheed's notorious Skunk Works facility. According to the Antelope Valley Daily Ledger Gazette, the creature likes to run around houses and leaving footprints. That is its M.O. in the East Lancaster area where footprints were found around several houses. One woman reported that the creature ran around her house and scratched at the door like a dog. A small boy sent to tell his father that supper was ready was found hours later crying near the horse corral. When asked what happened to him, he answered that a big, furry man would not let him pass. In March of 1973, in the West Mojave, a babysitter and three Marines, separately we presume, reported seeing the Sasquatch. Nerves were frayed to the point that two separate vigilante groups searching for the monster nearly killed each other two months later. The groups came across each other in a wash by night. With nerves frayed and their sight limited by darkness, both groups began firing at each other. Yucca Man wasn't there at all that night. I saw a program where they were going over there to this uh, country and they had streetcars. And they have to update their streetcars every 10 or 20 years or so as they wear out. But they have these nice old streetcars, and uh, they just scrap them. And I thought, well, you know, with all the restrictions of building new things and all that in the valley, well, it might just be easy if I could just get these cars and set them up out there on lots, kind of like the homestead cabin, to turn them into housing for people to then use uh, as rentals for Airbnb directly to, uh, you know, tourists from all around the world. It's it's. And, uh, uh, I thought you could make some money at it, and so I, I looked into it. And you have placed, according to the article, the first nine of these side by side on what is it a two point five acre lot? Yes, that's right. the The complaint, as I'm sure you've heard, is that this looks more like a auto junkyard than a homestead cabin sitting alone on you know, ten acres out in Wonder Valley or what have you. Oh, well, I mean, you know, you could always say the argument that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Um, but I tend to think that the, the, the streetcars have a certain uh, 
I don't know, majestic beauty, the way they stand out there on the landscape, very prominent. And uh, I think they're quite attractive, and I think they're, they complement uh, the look of the area. You're listening to Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. We recently paid a visit to the Pioneer Town Ranch of Jeremy Kenyon Lockyer Corbell. He is the man behind ExtraordinaryBeliefs.com. He makes documentary films about weird, wild stuff. So my name is Jeremy Corbell, and we are in Pioneer Town, California. Very specifically, we're at Cultus Camp, which is on my acreage here in Pioneer Town, and it's the most beautiful place that I've ever been in my life. Well, look, man, my life is kind of like the twilight zone, but everything is, is real that, that I'm investigating. And just to give a background to it, you know, I, I've been looking into these anomalous events from UFOs to paranormal to even sightings of creatures. And I have never seen a single thing in my life. So that's the, the irony. In fact, I'm the guy that always has his back turned or is inside when something you know, out of the norm happens. Uh, so I, I had never seen anything anomalous, truly anomalous, besides, you know, little lights in the sky, I can't explain, but nothing truly anomalous. All my life looking into this phenomenon until I moved here. And, and that was the first time that I can say I have witnessed something that, that I can't explain. And it's not super dramatic, like what we were talking about before, but for me it was the first indication that this phenomenon, it, it may be looking back or in some way, in some way it, it might have shown itself to me. So, so I'll tell you that story, but what's, what's funny is I'm, I'm the guy that usually never sees anything. When we first moved onto this land, you know, we're looking at the sky and all my friends joke with me about UFOs. I'm the UFO hunter. I'm the you know hunter of the skinwalker. The, the you know they think it's funny. So I go inside to get night vision because you can see about seventy five thousand times more stars, and it's just incredible what you can see through infrared. And as I go inside, everybody starts screaming, my wife included, and they see right here about where we're sitting right now. This, I mean, it's a weird description, but like a, a green glowing plate like, you know, maybe four feet, six feet in diameter, just zip with a, with a stepping motion, like that right across, literally where we are now, over to there. And there's no lights here. I mean, it's the middle of nowhere where we're sitting right now. Uh, so I missed that, and they were screaming about it, and these are people that love me and wouldn't lie to me, And but then they started teasing me because I missed it. So I thought I would never see anything in my entire life, and I've actually I've never shared this story before, but... I have, with a friend, had a very bizarre experience, a, a sighting here on this land. There's a really strange colored light in the sense it was really amber. And it was also extremely large and kind of luminous. You know, I, my initial thought was maybe a helicopter was pointing its front beam right at us or something. Because it wasn't, didn't seem that far away, but we couldn't tell, you know, because it's just kind of above the mesa, so you just have sky. So you can't really tell how big it is. So I look at it, I go, I don't know. And, and then it drops down in front of the mesa. Now, the mesa, from where I live, it's about, um, 
a thousand meters, I would say. The fact that it dropped down over the ridge of the mesa and started splashing this amber light onto the mesa, totally silent. And I, I have drones and I know what they look like and how much weight they could carry for lights or something. And the sound, we're talking absolute silence. The object was big. And how I know that is when it dropped in front of the mesa, the sphere itself, I took with my telescope and I did a measurement. So it was five to nine feet in diameter, which, which is huge for something that seemed to be just be intelligently controlled, but just moving nice and slow. So my friend starts freaking out because at that point, it's the first time he's ever even thought about seeing something. I, I wish I'd seen something before, you know, but this is the first time I, this is unusual. So, cause we're just talking about UFOs, you know? So this thing then drops down in front of the Mesa. I'm watching this beautiful amber light splash onto the Mesa. And then it starts coming towards us. And you could tell that because not just by the light size increasing, you know, the circle or globe of light increasing, but because of where the light was splashing. So it starts coming down the Mesa and starts coming across my property up towards us. And we could see the Joshua trees kind of being illuminated as it's coming closer. And then my friend got real scared. You know, he had a lot of fear because all of a sudden this was not just something in the sky. This was something close to the ground that's coming towards us directly in a straight line. So it's coming over and I know exactly where it stopped and I measured it and it was just about 200 yards from where we were sitting because I know the exact Joshua tree that was being uh, lit up, you know, the, the splash of it. And it was about eight feet above that Joshua tree. I know that too. This thing was coming towards us silently, slowly, and it appeared to have this amber, really beautiful amber hue, like almost like a, like a swirling in it, but it was a light but it wasn't acting like a floodlight. It was more like a glow. It just slowly retracted or retreated back up towards the mesa, kind of climbed up, you know, maybe 200 feet and then started moving to the right nice and gracefully and it just went away. So this is the first time in my life, I mean, like, I want to see a flying saucer. I want to see a disc. I want to see a ship. I want to see a black triangle. I want, you know, I, I would love to see that, a mothership. I mean, I interview people all the time that have seen those things. That's not what I saw. But what I did see, I don't have any rational explanation for. The most rational explanation I have is that it was a UFO, an unidentified floating object. It was really how I describe it. It was kind of floating almost like on the sea, like a ping pong ball on the sea, just kind of floating. And that was the first real anomalous sighting. That is the first time I have seen something I cannot rationally write off. There was no structure that, that I, it was a self-contained luminous globe of amber undulating light that controlled its movements down my mesa and towards us splashing light just as we're talking about ufos almost as if it's being like you want to watch me well i'm watching you i had no fear um, my friend was a little freaked out but i i didn't sense any fear I just kind of watched it in awe and, and it was beautiful and it's just funny because I'm a filmmaker, I'm supposed to document things. 
there are non-human intelligences engaging humanity since the beginning of recorded human history, there is a bigger phenomenon occurring that goes far beyond lights in the sky or even flying saucers. And, and that's what I'm interested in. So the idea that it is engaging humanity throughout time with this physical pattern of reinforcement means it's trying to influence us somehow. But just what is it doing? That's the big question. But the film is based on, upon a book by Anthony Burgess, and the book was called The Clockwork Orange. So what impacted me about this book and why this started formulating in my mind is that I know that what we're seeing as UFOs, that that is a display, that that is not, in fact, the whole truth, but it is an element of the truth or it is an angle of the truth, like a prism. P-R-I-S-M, prism, right? So the idea UFOs are clockwork orange is kind of looking at the possibility that the UFO phenomenon is a display, but it, it, it might be a display of a mechanistic intelligence, kind of like an artificial intelligence that is manipulating the consciousness and thoughts and culture of humanity there's one thing to say you've got a biological entity controlling a craft, but there's another thing to say that you've got some sort of artificial intelligence that is controlling biological cyborgs, like cybernetics. Uh, the idea that uh, we, we create that too. We create systems uh, through biology, almost like physical computers, you know, biological computers. We're toying with that now. So the idea that what we're witnessing with the phenomenon that includes UFOs is in fact mechanistic or robotic in nature, that this intelligence is displaying things that we can understand, like biological entities, physical hard craft, because the UFO phenomenon has changed over the years depending on where our culture is. So in the 18, late 1800s, they were displaying to humanity these airships, highly documented, almost like blimps with wings and funny things. And now moving into the modern era after, you know, post uh, BL instead of, you know, post Bob Lazar, <laughs> after his story came out, uh, Area 51 and S4, the, the back engineering of nine craft, you know, the, or nine craft being stored at, you know, at this facility by Groom Lake. We now, you know, we've been seeing since the 50s these craft as flying saucers, and, and so there has been accounts of flying saucers before that, but I'm just saying the phenomenon shows itself in different ways to different people, and it shows you these biological entities, but it is not sociable. These, these it makes mistakes. There, there tends to be this kind of glitch in the matrix when people engage the phenomenon. It's like it's not a perfect encounter. There are things that, um, there are things that appear to be mistakes. Now, or they're given, a lot of people I talk with, a lot of close encounters that people have, they're given a very strong impression. Like, some of them have been shown a film, in a, in a, allegedly in a theater, in an actual theater. And it's the common story that these beings tell people when they uh, engage them destruction of the earth don't hurt your earth nuclear weapons you're 
you're met, you're in big trouble basically you know it's a straight but they don't ever give solutions it's like almost as if they want to experience your fear and that's what's really interesting it's almost as if they provoke fear because they get something from that so my name is Jeremy Kenyon Lockyer Corbell and I am an investigative filmmaker and I primarily deal with in my films the topic of UFOs and the unknown so I call my work extraordinary beliefs all my work can be found at extraordinarybeliefs.com and you can see you know weeks of free footage and articles and stories and again it's it's like the twilight zone except everything i report on to a degree is real meaning i i do believe the people who i report on i do not report on people who i think are making stuff up so out of all my work that you can see online you know i i think the 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 one to look at first it might be it's a feature length film called patient 17 and on october 10th 2017 it will premiere and it will premiere on your television at home and it's about the alleged alien implant removal surgery performed by dr roger lear the the mysterious mojave and so i i love living out here but i, I kind of want to keep it a secret man because you know i don't it will go it will leave if we're too loud It's time for the Desert Oracle Mailbag. Dear Desert Oracle, I already subscribed to your awesome quarterly. Am finally heading down to explore one or two of the deserts. I have a week. I am not asking you to be a tour guide. But can you give me a suggestion of what is realistic to cover in seven days? Also looking for some off-the-beaten-path stuff, meeting locals, and stuff like that. Any advice you can shoot my way will be greatly appreciated. Thanks in advance, Dimitri Urban. Well, Dimitri, you know, just off I-15 on the way to Vegas, north of Gene, you know where that one weird casino is? There's a place called the Pioneer Saloon. It's only about a mile off the interstate, but it feels like, oh, I don't know, 1860 or something. You can pull off in Zizek's as well. Zizek's Road on the I-15 in California. There's a desert study center there. The whole place was built by Curtis Springer, Doc Springer, the founder of Zizek's, until the Bureau of Land Management kindly reminded him that he did not own that property. Just outside of Red Rock Canyon State Park in the western Mojave, there is a complete dining set in the wash. Table, chairs, probably even some silverware. Just bring your own food and please do clean up after yourself for once. Now in the middle of Nevada... There's a run-down old town with only one lodging choice. The place is called the Clown Motel. Look it up. I will not give you the address. And there's a large boulder not far from Coyote Hole and Joshua Tree, and it looks exactly like a horned lizard from one side. 
a giant horned lizard. You know, you can look around in the bushes and spot a real horned lizard for scale and etc. The other side of the boulder looks more or less like the Ridley Scott alien monster designed by H.R. Giger. Got all kinds of tracks here. Quail. And lizards going up under that uh, black brush here. Now these little ones on the bank right here. That's all from kangaroo rats up and down. You can see that long tail dragging while they hop. And we come back this way in an hour or so, we're going to have kit fox tracks. Where kangaroo rats are plentiful, the desert kit fox is abundant. You know who said that, right? Dr. Edmund Yeager, the great desert biologist. Uh, he uh, lived for many years in a plank shack in the canyon, uh, Palm Springs, right where the tennis club sits today. Now, let's take a look behind... These boulders, there's something kind of strange. Just kind of watch your step here. Now you see this sort of countertop, like an old marble countertop, I suppose. It's uh, white, you know, like, like porcelain, isn't it? Now there's somebody buried below here. I mean, it is beautiful. I can't see a hint of the town from here. Now here is something very interesting. It's a pencil choya cactus. But look here. It's blooming. It's very small flowers. Very small flowers for a cactus. Of course, it's a pencil choya with these very small branches like a pencil, but with thorns. Imagine giving a kid a pencil with thorns. Friends, are you tired of receiving magazines in your mailbox that you never subscribe to? The Desert Oracle will never send you an issue unless you have paid for it. It's a handsome, pocket-sized field guide to the vast and intriguing American desert. The Desert Oracle contains strange tales, eloquent prose, noteworthy regional occurrences, maps and illustrations. It's a digest-sized journal fully supported by subscribers like yourself, no advertising, no filler, and you will cherish each beautiful copy and want to collect them all. Order now at DesertOracle.com. That's DesertOracle.com. Or send just $25 by check or money order to Desert Oracle, Post Office Box 1735, Joshua Tree, California, 92252. You'll receive four delightful issues of the Desert Oracle, and you'll be so glad you did. Thank you for tuning in tonight for Desert Oracle Radio. Fridays at 10 p.m. here on Z1077 FM, KCDZ, and Joshua Tree, and streaming live at Z1077FM.com. Write to us. It's radio at DesertOracle.com. And good night from the voice of the desert. Ha, 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 ha!